You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here we go, episode 39 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at B McCarthy95, at Leafs Pod, at HockeyPodNet. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with the DraftKings daily fantasy lineup on the line. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on the season-long fantasy, so now is your time to get in on all of the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain cold, hard cash. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for the players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. What do we want you to do? Download the DraftKings app. Use promo code THPN during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's promo code THPN for you to get your free shot at millions of dollars of total prizes only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. BMAC, the dust has settled after Monday's trade deadline. How are you doing on this Wednesday, April 14th that we are recording? I'm doing well, Kenneth. Good to hear from you, buddy. I'm glad I snuck in a round of 18 yesterday because today is like the opening of The Walking Dead. You can't see anything outside for those Torontonians. It is just, you can't see anything. I'm opening the blinds now. Yeah, it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit gloomy out. It's like Cloverfield or something. Yeah, not ideal. Not ideal. I guess, uh, I'm still going to try to make it out for a quick bike ride after the pod, though. Okay. Got to uh, get the blood rate up, burn a couple of calories, 
trying to get back in the swing of things, you know, now that it's getting a little bit warmer out. Man, you definitely got to burn some calories after finishing that ad read. I mean, you're always, just, I don't, <laughs> and just so you guys know, he usually does that in one take. It's, it's usually like max two, but that's got to be the equivalent of running on the treadmill before you lift weights. It's just, it's reps. It just, it keeps you going. It keeps you, it keeps you energized. Speaking of getting the repetitions in, Kyle Dubas got all his reps in at the trade deadline on Monday. And I just want to revisit all of the moves that he did briefly here at the beginning. And we'll delve into some of them in a little bit more detail. So ultimately it wraps up as Felino coming to Toronto. That's the big one. First round, two fourth rounds going the other way as San Jose is the broker to make that deal work by retaining 25% of the cap in addition to the 50% that Columbus retained. Uh, Dubas also acquiring defenseman Ben Hutton for a fifth-round pick from the Ducks, depth defenseman. Uh, We know David Riddich for the third-round pick. He obviously got his first start against the Flames uh, yesterday evening. We'll get into that in just a moment. And forward Riley Nash coming to Toronto for the seventh-round pick. So a very busy deadline, as it turns out, for general manager Kyle Dubas. Yes, and also Alexander Barabanov to the Sharks in return for Anti Sumela, which is a bit yeah, of a true. minor deal, but that was really the only uh, roster player who, who got moved, uh, albeit a, a minor one, Ken. Yeah, use roster player loosely here, because I, I like that move for Barabanov as well. He obviously wasn't going to get a good opportunity here in Toronto. Now, the prospect coming the other way seems like he'll likely be an AHL guy, at best, at least in the yeah. short term, he's not he's not going to make an impact on this lineup come the postseason, certainly. But a good move for both the player and the team, I think, just to give him another opportunity to carve out a little bit of a bigger role in San Jose that he wasn't going to get here. How do you feel a couple days after the deadline now that you've had some time to decompress? Because the Maple Leafs were very active, and I've seen mixed reviews Uh, from the fan base, both on social media and from the fans that I've talked to about the general manager's choices in this trade deadline. It's exciting. And listening to Dubas's post-trade deadline presser the other day, he even is just that much more confident. It was clear that he didn't really want to disrupt what the core and the main pieces were doing here. And there was a lot of trade talks swirling around Kerfoot as the scapegoat to maybe get dealt and I think it's important that he didn't really mess with it. He didn't mess with it. He just added complimentary pieces. And it really kind of just speaks to the camaraderie of this team. And, you know, a young GM realizing, hey, like they want to do this together, especially the main group. And I don't want to disrupt that at all. So I think I feel good. I'm sure you do as well. And no doubt Dubas does as well, because I think it was a very, very successful deadline for him. I think what you brought up was an important point that Kyle Dubas was speaking about in his availability on Monday after the deadline, and that was the chemistry of the group and him making all these moves but not wanting to disrupt that chemistry by moving any player off of the roster and not moving any prospects. And I feel like that's probably his most masterful work looking back at this now and something that we hadn't discussed on the pod that we recorded earlier in the week was he didn't have to give up any prospects for any of Zero. these moves. And especially when you look at the upcoming draft, there's a ton of uncertainty. A, it's from what I understand, it's supposed to be a very weak draft. B, nobody in the CHL has really played consistent hockey all year. So where are the scouts going to be looking at? They aren't necessarily going to have 
a great idea as to what's going on. It's going to be a lot of cover your eyes and throw a dart at the board and hope that right. the prospect works out. So I don't mind giving up draft capital in this draft, especially the upcoming. Also, I would cite that when you draft a player and you bring him into the organization, you already know that player's work ethic. You know the character of the guy. He's been around the team. He's been around the coaches. So you'd rather stick with that guy rather than dealing for somebody else's prospect or going out to get a new guy, which is you're not going to be certain about any of that in the draft. So I think a really masterful job by Dubis not to give up any roster players or any of the top prospects that were rumored to be available at this deadline, despite him being able to improve this roster pretty significantly. And what a whirlwind 20, well, 48 hours for now goalie for the Leafs, David Riddick. He actually flew with the Flames and so his weird. now former teammates. How weird would it would have that been? I mean, apparently there was some chirping going on. It's like, I mean, it almost has to. And like, what else do you say? I mean, you, you wish you wish him well, but then it's like we're also playing you in six hours, so that must have been really weird. You know, Riddick still had the uh, the red pads and everything, and what a gutless gutless move by Matthew Kachuk. I mean, we we've already made it known that we do not like this guy, and just a classless classless move. And initially, I'm like, okay, is he just kind of joking? But there was no there was no smile. No. There was nothing. Riddick looked cheesed. He's like, yeah. why did you do that? And he, this is just like lingering snow on his sweater right hey, Matt, it's just it was I ridiculous i sprayed the goalie once in youth hockey years ago and i went to the box for two minutes for unsportsmanlike conduct and it was not nearly as big of a flurry as matthew kachuk sent into the face of david riddich this is another takeaway that i've got that i took from this deadline i was think he i've a been pronouncing was he a What's former that? teammate? Was he a former teammate of yours? <laughs> no, it was much harder to transfer back in the day between organizations. You had to do all sorts of paperwork, and there wasn't. There, let me tell you, there wasn't going to be any draft capital going the other way <laughs> if you made the transition. Especially, I made the transition from uh, one organization to the next, and they they weren't uh, they weren't paying for my transfer. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the one takeaway from this deadline was that I think I've been pronouncing David Riddick's name wrong this whole time because Kyle Dubas kept referring it to him as David Riddich. Yes. So I, I'm just going to assume that the Maple Leafs general manager did his diligence. And this happens oftentimes in the broadcasting community that all of a sudden everybody just decides this is how a name is pronounced. And then like everything else is out the window. Oh, um, Thomas yeah. Caberlet comes McElaney. to mind. As, yeah. Caberlet comes to mind as Thomas Caberla. But everybody just decided that his name was Thomas Caberlet in the Toronto market, and that's how he went down in history. And now if you're talking about that iconic defenseman and you refer to him as Caberla, nobody's going to know who the hell you're talking about. People are going to look at you like you have three heads. <laughs> there was Matt Stajan, too. I believe he went on his, uh, early on his stay on, and then they're like, no, no, it's Stajan. Yeah. <laughs> who now is doing, I believe, like pregame coverage analyst work for the Flames, which is really cool. He's doing a pretty good job. Yeah, certainly is. Yeah, Kachuk spraying his former teammates, I just thought was a total scumbag move. I think he probably should have seen two minutes in the box for that, but obviously the refs just aren't calling anything or it's completely at their discretion now. I just thought it was a total scumbag move. If you want to stir it up in front of the net and give somebody the stinky glove or a cross check in the back or whatever the hell it is that you want to do, that's fine. 
I just think like coming down the ice at full speed and when a guy's going down to cover the puck and then spraying him, he's going to get ice and snow in his face, potentially in his eyes. I just think it's a gutless move. It was totally unnecessary from Kachuk and it didn't surprise me, but I just didn't like that at all. Another big component of last night, Milan Lucic playing in his 1,000th game. And I was shocked. I was like, who is number 49 in the blue and white? And it's Scott Sabrin. Sabrin. <laughs> Scott Sabrin. <laughs> so that, that had to have been that had to have been preordained. Uh, had to have been, right? Like, I'm sure they're like, look at beefy Calgary team coming into town. Kachuk, Lucic. There's a lot of big boys. Let's throw in Sabrin to the bottom six. And they were just chomping at the bit to get a scrap going. And decisive from Lucic I think he's continues to be the scariest player in the NHL he has been for the last decade but yeah, he's uh, up there for sure good to see a bout because the Leafs don't normally fight well you think him probably Ryan Reeves Tom Wilson yep. are at the top of the food chain those three guys oh and all, of course how can we forget Big Z in yeah. Washington Zidane Chara still proving that he can drop them uh, yeah it's it's whole situation also i guess you could throw weber in there brady kachuk went after him the other day and i was like oh that's a holding on for dear life situation yeah i was impressed that sabarin dropped the gloves with lucic because he's an absolute troll like a caveman yeah it's it's so scary i can't believe that he did it but i understand why he did it he's having he's you know a fringe nhler at best, he's trying to make an impact on the game. He's in and out of the lineup. I believe this was his first game that he cracks the Maple Leafs lineup this season. So he's trying to make an impact. And to his credit, he landed at least one. Yeah, because one. Lucic, yeah, <laughs> Well, Luch, hey, listen. Yeah, it's Lucic. Lucic is sitting there like, nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but he, he cut him. And it's I uh, give him credit for that. He obviously, he had you saw him in the penalty box after he had the ice bag on his knuckles. And I would expect that... Uh, we won't be seeing Sabarin again in the lineup for a little while, but he's just a player trying to make an impact and slice out a living in an era where players of his type aren't really used as frequently anymore. He obviously doesn't have the scoring flair. He's a tough guy, traditional tough guy, and I give him a lot of credit for dropping the gloves. And I also give Lucic a lot of credit as well in his 1000th game for giving him the opportunity. Absolutely. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to fight Sabarin. What does he have to prove? No, nothing really. I mean, a pretty successful game overall uh, for your 1,000th game for Milan Lucic. I mean, picks up an assist and then has a bout. I mean, almost uh, a goal away from a Gordie Howe hat trick. I don't think he's ever had one in his career. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's, uh, I feel like the scoring touch wasn't necessarily there. A couple other milestones in the game. Morgan Riley gets his 300th career points and 50 career goals for Alex Kerfoot. Uh, none of that ends up really mattering in the long haul as the Leafs end up losing 3-2 to two in OT. Goudreau with the game winner. Um, not really a huge surprise when you end up in OT. It's kind of the flip of a coin. You're going to be trading chances back and forth, and Goudreau ends up breaking away. Uh, Matthews and Marner's aren't Matthews and Marner rather aren't able to pick him up in the extra frame, and he's able to beat David Riddich, his former teammate, and take away the win. We should also mention the Leafs on Monday night against Montreal uh, dropped that contest four to two. What are your thoughts on the Leafs' current two-game slide? So, obviously, they played much better last night against the Flames. And if you're Calgary, you're like, we we have to win tonight. If we lose to our former goaltender, who we've just know so practice. well, like, come on. Like, they, they <laughs> yeah. should be able to, out of anybody else, they have to be able to expose his weaknesses. The flip side, though, is right? that he knows all the shooters. That's very true. 
That's very true. But I mean, Goudreau, I mean, has had probably pulled that move off in practice ample number of times. And yeah. a beautiful move from Johnny Hockey. I wish we'd seen that, you know, but more frequently because that was a patented vintage Johnny Hockey so does finish. Sutter. <laughs> yeah. But man, if you're Calgary, it's like you're still what, eight points out of a playoff spot. They are yeah. just it's desperate for the Calgary. Monday night's uh a fair 4-2. I thought it was a really, really sloppy game from the Toronto Maple Leafs, but Oof. also that a very... first period was y- brutal. Yikes. Yikes. And, you know, Montreal, we've stressed how well they are, a tight-knit defensive group, and, you know, it's not flashy at all, but they shut it down. I thought they did an excellent job. So, yeah, a very uncharacteristic uh, style of play from the Maple Leafs on Monday, but I don't know, maybe they're a little too uh, too hot from watching the Masters Sunday, because they were... They were really slow, very lethargic, but a much better game Tuesday. But still, I guess on paper it's a two-game skid. So, and now they got Winnipeg on Thursday, Kenny. So here we go. Well, I thought they did a pretty good job uh, on Monday to claw their way back in. Uh, really nice assist from Marner to Matthews, I believe. I'm not sure. I think it was Marner who passed it, and Matthews is able to kind of tap it in from the side of the net. Yep. And then they get the sort of gritty goal in front with JT, who coming into last night's game had three goals in his last five games. So he's starting to find the score sheet, which I think is good news for Toronto. Excited. The more and more I think about it, the more I think Felino will slot in on that line and sort of bring a different dynamic. So excited to see if he's able to spark a little bit more offense for William Nylander and John Tavares. I'm not really concerned at all at this point about the two-game skid. Uh, I'd be more concerned about the power play, but I don't really want to get too far into depth. All I'll say is that in the updates of the least power play struggles, they've gone one for 38 now in their last 16 games. So that's one goal in their last 16 games, four on the power play. Brendan, they've given up three shorthanded goals against in that span. So they got to figure it out. I'm not going to go down this road again. We'll just leave it with you guys. Yeah, I berate, yeah, make your own decisions, but one for 38 isn't good. they got to figure something out. Uh, the one thing I will say is that watching the Calgary Power play last night where they were able to convert on one of their opportunities, and then the other night watching the Montreal Power play, the difference is, is they're just more definitive with the puck, and they're firing pucks on net. They aren't waiting for the perfect shot. Like Suzuki, I believe, scores the Power play goal for Montreal, and it's a wrist shot from outside the circle, like outside the faceoff dot. So not a high percentage shot, but he's able to get that sort of seeing eye shot by Jack Campbell, who we should also mention his win streak got snapped against Montreal, which I think might be a good thing because yes. he gets get a little pressure off, right? Yes. I mean, he was going to lose eventually. Leafs fans are acting like he was going to win every game for the rest of the season. I know. It's ridiculous. But yeah. you mentioned Felino earlier, Kenny, just quickly. You like yeah, him in ahead. the top six. This is almost really good that they didn't give up Kerfoot because down the middle, it's just going to get that much more depleted. You got Engvall. In this case, now you can roll out Matthews, Tavares, Felino, and Kerfoot. Like Kerfoot as your fourth line center. So something to consider. But just my point is, is that this is why he didn't give up Kerfoot, Dubis. I think likely Riley Nash. Riley Nash, likely, uh, from what I understand, will probably slot in as the fourth line center. You have Nash too. Yeah. Yeah. So. so, but yeah, you like Felino probably in that top six, and then you go. I don't know who you. This is where like the bottom six rotation starts to take effect because now you're going to have a log jam for of competition for those bottom six spots because you yeah. figure the top six is probably solidified. It seems I texted you last night about this. Yeah. It seems like Keith is now trying Galchenyuk on that first line with Marner and Matthews. So it remains to be seen if he 
is a mainstay on that line or if he's able to get some productivity. I really get the feeling that Keefe wants to go with that Kerfoot, Mikheyev, Hyman line, like the shutdown third line. Interesting. And keep Hyman down there. I get that sense. Um, you always have the opportunity as well. Sheldon Keefe obviously not afraid to mix up the lines at all in game. So you can always toss Hyman up on the first line if you need a little spark or toss him with, uh, with Tavares and Marner, whatever you need to do. But I really get the sense that they're going to be sticking Felino right alongside Nylander and JT, and they're going to try to see if Galchenyak can get something cooking with Marner and Matthews on the first unit. Yeah, I still think it's more of an experiment for Ogelchenyuk on the first line. I still, Certainly it is. I, I still Certainly really is. like Hyman, kind of adds to that line really well. I, I still feel like Galchenyuk's kind of like a jump behind Matthews and Marner, but he Hyman is. Hyman is, is able to keep up with them and, and obviously do the dirty work. It's just going to increase more, that in, internal competitiveness that we talked about so much. I mean, Jason Spezza sat last night, but you look at guys like Nick Robertson, you know, two months ago, three months ago, it's like, yeah, I, you know, I'm probably going to be able to mesh in with this lineup, scored a goal in the playoffs last year. But now his job's kind of up in the air, too, because it's just going to be a growing, growing competitive group in the bottom six trying to crack a full-time spot. So even guys like Nick Robertson, it's, it's his his job down there is not is not stable. Yeah. Well, we got to see with Robertson as well. I get the feeling that they're going to bring him up, see if they can get some competition. Yeah, I'd have to do some research on how many games he's played so far in his NHL career. I believe he played the one in the playoffs last year, and they got injured, right? Yeah, like the, the first second game. game. So it's and been then, a really and it was tough the same goal. thing. It was the same thing this year, right? First game, he cracks the lineup, he gets injured again. Yeah. I believe if he doesn't play ten games, like, and I'm just going off the cuff here. I haven't done the research on it, but I believe if he plays like it's like less than eight or ten games, then the first year of his ELC doesn't kick in. For the Maple Leafs. So right, it might yeah. be so it may be prudent for the Leafs to not put him in so that he gets to, he doesn't get that many starts so that his ELC doesn't kick in until next season. And then if you want True. to start him off in the bottom six or in the top six role, whatever the hell you want to do, then you have a little bit more cost certainty for the first couple seasons with Robertson because they're gonna need some cheap contracts where they're getting some production, and I feel like that's a player where they certainly can. Uh, I'm going to go to my tweet of the day here, and it's because the Hockey Podcast Network is doing a jersey giveaway. So basically all you have to do is follow uh, the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter, at HockeyPodNet. Throw us a follow as well. We have the tweet pins to the top of our page, at LeafsPod. Uh, basically just retweet the post and follow HockeyPodNet. And if the Maple Leafs fan base, if our podcast gets the most retweets of any podcast on the network, then we'll be picking a winner for the jersey. So bingo, bango, bongo, head to our Twitter page, give it a quick retweet, and potentially you could be the owner of some brand new Maple Leafs threads, BMAC. Yes, and this guy certainly has some nice threads. I'm going to throw in my tweet of the day to Jordan Belfort at Wolf of Wall Street. Very he nice. goes, listen, guys, nice never transition. try to outdrink a hockey player. If you if you're a rookie on the bench, I don't know it was so random. I'm like, does this guy even watch hockey? You should say that for the library bar. Never try. Yeah, never try yeah. to drink a hockey if, player. If you're a rookie getting like you know not a lot of minutes, and they're the top defenseman comes on, he's at the end of the bench, and he's just crushing a blue Gatorade. Do not talk to him. Let him refuel because it it it's like a hungry man. You don't want to get in the way of him and his dish. Just let him drink. And he's probably going to crush the entire bottle before he goes out there again for a shift. Certainly. All right, let's go to Around the League. 
right, BMAC, I want to pick the winners and the losers at the trade deadline. Uh, for me, the winner is Steve Eiserman. And the reason he's the winner is basically he got a huge haul for Anthony Mantha, who they send to Washington. Uh, basically, he picks up a first rounder, a second rounder, uh, Jakob Vrana, who another very young player with tremendous upside, and then Richard Ponick for Mantha. A little bit more term on Mantha's deal. I believe he has four years, cost certainty, a, a cap of around five million bucks. And he's making an impact immediately in Washington. Uh, with a goal and an assist in his debut with the Capitals. Really great hockey trade here, and a great asset management by Stevie Y, bringing back a fairly big return for a young player with uh, with a little bit term of term left on his deal. I'll have to go with the Bruins, uh, primarily Don Sweeney, in acquiring Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. You know, the Bruins are, as I said before in the previous pod, and it's well known, they're just so top-heavy, and this will just add a big scoring punch into the top six and Curtis Lazar is a nice pick too I know he's kind of bounced around since he got dealt from Ottawa a few years ago but he was key in that 14-15 run to the playoffs I think he still has a lot left in him he's only 26 and I got a chance to listen to his little post-game presser too last night he's just elated and relieved to be out of Buffalo two of two of those players <laughs> Hall yeah, but, and yeah, Lazar I feel so like the I think the Bruins won mutual. yeah definitely but the Bruins <laughs> I think the Bruins won considerably Don yeah. Sweeney. Well, did they didn't really have to pay. They didn't have to pay a high price for Hall, right? And Buffalo had to retain fifty percent of the salary, right? Yeah. Well, that was so. always going to be the case for for Taylor Hall. Was they were going to have to eat that and hopefully get a fair chunk coming back. So, yeah, it remains to be seen. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Hall have be a tremendous fit in Boston and likely playing alongside David Krejci in a better environment, obviously in the better locker room. Uh, I've been told by a lot of stats people that Taylor Hall's shooting percentage has to bounce up. I tend to be in the camp. We've had this conversation before that if Taylor Hall is such a great scorer, why isn't he scoring three <laughs> goals on the season so far? So remains to be seen. Sure. Could be could be a huge steal for the Boston Bruins. Uh, for the losers, I'm going to go with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they basically acquired uh, defenseman Jordy Ben from the Canucks. Um, one depth defenseman. I really thought that the Oilers, or the not the Oilers, the Oilers also could be a loser. They didn't do anything. But I really think that the Jets have, are probably the biggest competition to the Maple Leafs in Canada at this point. With their, We've well documented or talked about ad nauseum how their top six, top nine forwards are structured. They have a Vesna winning goaltender in Connor Hellebuck. The one weak link in their team is their top six defenseman. You know, they get Jordy Ben. He's basically a depth guy, maybe your sixth, seventh guy at best. I still think it's a big weakness for the team. And Kevin Shoveldayoff, obviously, making the decision that he didn't want to pay the high price to go out and get some guys to bolster his roster. But I really think it was a missed opportunity for Winnipeg to make a push to try to be the team that comes out of the Canadian division. Yeah, and you alluded to them before. I'd have to say the Edmonton Oilers are the losers. I mean, Ken Holland did didn't nothing. do anything. Like, nothing. And yes, it's it's a playoff built team, but man, like they they needed to certainly add probably a, a depth winger and maybe a, a, a depth defenseman, and they just were quiet as ever. So let me let me ask you this question: Do you think that Ken Holland sitting there, looking at his cap situation, saying I can't fit anything in this year, I'm going to get a bunch of contracts off the book next year? He's sitting in his office, seeing the Leafs go all in, 
and make all these trades to bolster their roster. And then looking at the Edmonton Oilers' record against Toronto this year and saying, these guys have been our daddy. We're likely going to see this team in the playoffs, and they're bolstering their roster. I don't think I can beat the Leafs in seven. So today, this year is not the year for me to go all in. Wow. I mean, I got because I, that I, would be I something. Be honest, like, well, when you're looking at your division, you have to be objective about your team's chances, yeah. right? Yeah. No, and it's a fair point. So, and when you're the, any of these other teams in Canada, and you're looking at the run that Toronto's been on, you have to look at that team and say, "I'm going to see this team in either the first round or the second round if I get there." Likely, I don't want to put Toronto straight through to the you know the conference finals or whatever we've decided to call it, you know, just because they signed Nick Foligno. But I think it's a fair point that regardless of who the Maple Leafs play in the postseason, they will be the favorites, the definitive favorites in the round. That doesn't yeah. mean that the Winnipeg won't give them a series. It doesn't mean that Montreal won't give them a series. It doesn't mean that Edmonton won't play them tough. But it does mean that Toronto, the way that they've played against all these teams this year, I think would be the odds favorites in Vegas to come out on top. So you're kind of saying that Holland's just thrown in the towel for this year. He's, assumed, he's assuming the Oilers aren't going to get out of the North. Well, that's basically what he said. It's <laughs> like you can't go. He's like you can't go in all all in every year. And I'm like, oh, okay, so read the tea leaves. You can't go in all in every year. So he's saying this is not the year to go all in. If this is not the year to go all in, it's because you don't believe in your group, and you don't believe that they have what it takes or the depth that it takes or the pieces in place that they can make a deep push against the other teams that you're going to be competing against. That's fair. That's fair. But, I mean, they haven't made the playoffs since, what, 2017? And since then, they've just been stale. So at, one, at what point do you say today, this year's the year? I mean, obviously, yeah. there's a lot of pressure on the Maple Leafs after last year's ending. But for the Oilers, it's it's similar. Yeah, they made a, a deep run four or five years ago. But the urgency's got to be there as well. They're in the so, same boat, man. Yeah. They're sitting there with the two, arguably the two best players in Canada. I mean, obviously Matthews, Marner. I don't want to discredit them at all, but we've it's been well documented how good Drysdale and McDavid are, and they can't get have any success in the postseason. Not that Toronto's been any better; like they haven't no. won a playoff series in forever. But like at a certain point, you have to parlay regular season points and regular season success into postseason success, or it doesn't matter. So they need to build a team around them. Uh, quick notes also, uh, the Preds have won 13 of 16, so they are absolutely rolling right now. Looked like they were going to be sellers at the deadline. They also just ended up adding at the deadline. So be interesting to watch Nashville and what they're capable of if they can keep this hot run going into the playoffs. And the Canucks are looking like they're going to be back in action. Uh, the schedule is set to resume on Friday against the Oilers. A total of eight games postponed for the Canucks due to the COVID-19 outbreak on the team. Uh, glad to see that they have it under control now and are set to resume their schedule against the Oilers. Yeah, let's hope, man. I mean, it just continues to be pushed back and pushed back. I know Sunday, they were, well, this past Sunday, they were hoping to reopen the facilities, but then I believe it was Jay Beagle who went into the COVID protocol. Adam Gaudet was removed, so they had to push that. So I think now, I mean, the Leafs are supposed to play them this Saturday, right? So it's it's going to be really tricky to kind of get back into game shape, really, after being out for a, a significant period of time. And they're still like 10 points out of a playoff spot. So they got to hit the ground running as best they can in a very, very unique season. I would think that the Canucks players are going to be pretty flat yeah. the first couple of games that they come back. They're just going to be tired. I mean, we've heard the Raptors players talk about it. Fred Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam. 
uh, Siakam said they lost 15 pounds yep. when he had COVID. And Fred Van Fleet is also saying, you know, a, a ton of players on our roster had it. And we just feel gassed in the fourth quarter of games. Like, we, yeah. we don't have the legs that we used to have. And it just shows sort of like the long-term side effects, even though these are professional athletes. You got to feel that the Canucks might be feeling this as well. And it might be difficult for them to compete in the third period of games when you get tired, especially in the back-to-backs, the condensed schedule. There's going to be a big ask for this Canucks roster to uh, get back into game shape by the weekend. Let's head to the bar. All right, BMAC, as usual, you're the one who likes drinking in the morning, a couple day drinks on the on the weekend at Thunder Beach. Uh, who do you have at the bar this morning? I don't know if I've, I've said Gary Trent Jr.'s at the bar, but if I have, he deserves to be there again because, <laughs> you know, he, he's just been meshing in with the Raptors group so well. And I think he's averaging at least over 20 points, Kenny. He's been uh, welcomed with open arms. It seems like even though he hasn't been in Toronto or engaging with the fans at all, uh, he seems to be a, a, a beloved uh, player on that team. And fans are starting to, to really like the guy. And they should. He's been playing uh, fantastic ball. And hopefully he can continues. I don't really know the contract situation. But at this point, they should consider uh, signing him to a short deal for, for next year and beyond. I believe he's a restricted free agent entering this offseason, if memory okay. serves me correctly. So he'll certainly be under team control. And I think that he's pretty gracious to have the opportunity to play for the Raptors. Absolutely. Because they're giving him an opportunity, something that he didn't have playing behind Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, two studs in the backcourt over in Portland. And they're obviously bringing him in with an idea that he can contribute to the Raptors' success, and he's been able to do that in the elevated role for the team so far. Who do you got drinking at the bar this week, buddy? Uh, (laughs) I'm going with FS1 analyst Shannon Sharp. So I don't know know what show it's called. I think it's called Undisputed, the show that he does on FS1 uh, with Skip Bayless. Basically, Shannon Sharp teed off on Kevin Durant reading a a quote off Twitter.com. The only problem with the quote that he read off Twitter.com was that it wasn't a real quote. It was basically Kevin Durant saying that because LeBron James is like the goat of their times and that KD has, you know, beat him in the finals and likely will have an opportunity to beat him in back-to-back finals or whatever it is that like he should be also in the goat conversation of our time and of all time. And basically, Shannon Sharp teed off on him and didn't realize that it was a fake quote. Uh, Kevin Durant got involved calling him out on Twitter, and then it just turned into this whole big back-and-forth mess where Sharp, like, blocked Durant, and then Durant was calling him soft and, like, retweeting all his stuff. It was just a complete disaster and just a total Jeez. meltdown. Durant is one of the few superstars who actively engages in social media all the time. Frequently. Responding to people. Yeah. yeah all the time. It's it just seems to be nightly. It's just the the the, K, the, K, the KD <laughs> show it, on Twitter. Is it so bizarre? Like I, I guess everybody is attuned to what's being said. You know, we hear a lot of athletes saying that they just try to stay off of the media pages because it's just adds a lot of 
chaos that they don't really need. Durant just can't stay out of the mix. He's like responding to people who have like 200 followers on Twitter, just trolling. Oh, yeah. He just can't stand it. He's (laughs) always got to give it back to them. Yeah. It's it's a a weird situation. I was scrolling through Twitter before we started recording, and I've already found, well, somebody else found, I don't know where these avid Twitter leaf followers find this stuff, but uh, video was resurfaced of Ben Hutton sitting singing Barbie Girl at some sort of fan fest for the Canucks a few years ago. It was pretty funny, pretty corny. And then also there's an innocent video of Nick Felino just taking his kids out for ice cream and it's just being so the bizarre. ultimate dad. I'm like, all right, like, already, like, it's just going to be a Jack Campbell affair where we just endear ourselves to this guy. You know, people talk about the media circus in Toronto. That also it means the fan base. Yes. Like the social media circus. Yeah. Because anything that these players have ever done, any video that's you know circling around, you know, if it could be if it happened five years ago and nobody has talked about it since, all of a sudden it resurfaces and Leafs Nation is just glorifying the fact that Folino's a good dad because he <laughs> yeah. took his kids out I for know. ice cream. Like, like, oh, what a wholesome guy! Yeah. It's like what a great right. guy for doing that. It's like he's yeah. a dad and he has three. Yeah, that's kids. what you're supposed to do. <laughs> take your kids out for ice cream. Yeah, I just thought it was funny because it's just like, oh, this guy just seems, isn't this wholesome content? Like, yeah, but it's also like, it's nothing new. Like, every guy (laughs) takes their kids out for ice cream. Like, yeah, great. Like, let's get them in Toronto and like, let's hit the ice here. No, it's one of the things I enjoy the most probably about this fan base is that they leave no stone unturned (laughs) for better or for worse. Like, they'll, they'll also go through people's Twitter pages and, you know, pull up something from 10 years ago. Where it was a contrast of opinion. Yeah. be like, oh, like the Mete tweet was a good one. Or who was it? Was it, um, no, it was Nick Suzuki talking to like, remember that tweet from years ago where he yeah. said like, go Leafs, go like hockey night in Canada. <laughs> yeah. I love Every that, time man. they play the Habs, it from resurfaces. like 2012 or something. Yeah. And so they're like, like, everybody's like, ago. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're, they're relentless. The Leafs fan base is relentless on social media. I think there was one Bruins prospect who, I don't know, I can't remember the name, but it was like from 2011, like Bruins suck or something. Like the year they, the year they won the cup, it was like, wow, that's going to that's gonna bode well. Yeah. You got you to gotta be careful, man. It's a good lesson for uh, going through and scrubbing your social media and just understanding what you're putting out and what you've put out in the past because it will always, always live there, resurface and live again, live yes. to die another day. Yep. B-Mac, what you got going on for the rest of the day, speaking of which? I'm just going to make a big brekkie, probably have a nap, maybe hit the driving range, and then work tonight, baby. Night oh, shift. nice. The driving range. Got to yeah. go to the one of the ones on top of the skyscrapers. Do they have any of those in Toronto? They used to have one uh, down by the docks. That was pretty good. Yeah, I haven't been in the one of the docks, but uh, probably just like a local golf course, and I need to hit the range at least once this year. So Yeah, might, a couple times probably to tune up that game. I had three pars yesterday, but we won't talk about the rest. Yeah, just, lots of uh, that lots was of the doubles, lead. lots of doubles and triples. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I would assume. Out. Yeah. Yeah. I got I got the Raptors game later tonight, so preparation for that will start right now. Uh, oh, you can tune in live to that on TSN 1050 Radio. If for some reason you don't have the opportunity to watch the game live, um, yeah, we're out of here. We'll catch you later, Maple Leafs fans. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leafs Pod on the Hockey Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Leafs Pod, at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at HockeyPodNet, and we'll catch you next time.